Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast, presented by Royals Review. If you want to keep updated on all things Kansas City Royals, please go visit www.royalsreview.com. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, you can do that too. On Spotify, you can respond to our polls and questions and answers. If you respond to the Q&A, we will read your response on the air in the following episode. Before I bring in Jeremy to start the show, let's check out the responses to our poll last week and to our question and answer. First off, let's go ahead and take a look at that poll. So we, I, I asked Jeremy this question last week, which was, which would be worse this offseason, not extending Bobby Witt Jr. or trading away Salvi? 62.5% of you said extend Bobby Wood Jr. before 2024. So that would be the, the worst thing to not happen this offseason. On the flip side, 37% of y'all said that the worst thing would be trading away Salvi. So um, very much not, not a surprising result, but the, the margin was surprising to me. And then for the question and answer, we asked you, the listeners, which player are you most optimistic about in the season's second half? Because we've been, you know, that's one thing to look forward to as the season winds down. Uh, Zach answered, has to be wit, but almost every position player seems to have a positive stretch and key moment in helping grab wins here in the second half. It's nice to see and hope it all continues. Royal Rupert said, Tyler Gentry, get him to the majors. And I uh, I cannot disagree with that at all, Rupert. We will be talking about an outfielder later on. Don't you worry. And then Luke responded, Bobby is the obvious answer, but Garcia is really interesting and hopefully rounding out the infield in the future. That is a... Uh, that is very true, very true. And then Ginger, longtime answer, said Nelson Velasquez, which uh, he, we saw him in the lineup again today in the DH spot. I can't really disagree with uh, with any of those answers. So thank you so much for y'all's input this week. And please check out Spotify for the question and answer on today's episode. And we'll hear from you next episode. But it is now time for my distinguished co-host, Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, how are we doing this evening? yeah i gotta stretch it out yeah that was whew, that was a that was a was not an exciting game today no no it, it really wasn't so the, we're recording this on sunday evening about well about two or yeah about an hour after the royals dropped the series to the chicago cubs four to three um they they made it interesting to close out in the in the top they of the did night. do that it was uh, the, the last three batters were were interesting. I'll give them that much. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but listen, it's it was a very slow game. Jeremy, you had the you had the recap today for for the website, and yes. I'm I'm honestly not very jealous of you, man. No, I when I saw Jordan Lyles was pitching, I I wasn't very excited for me either. Though he he wasn't the real problem today. I don't think. Um, I would put put this one on Kyle Isbell for his first inning error that led to two unearned runs. Okay. Um, and I would put it on not having a reliable bullpen at all. So the Jordan Lyles pitched into the eighth, gave up that last home run that uh, meant that the Royals didn't have enough to finish that comeback. That's true. That's an excellent point. I listen. I'm. I'm kind of glad that they are. Hey, y'all were joking around Jordan Lyles being an innings eater. Okay, he's going to eat all the innings for the rest of his starts this season because I, I have to go back and look at the math. But that man's been going deep into ball games, and he pitched. Yeah, he's a got complete game three game. complete games this year, which is I think I, I'd have to go look, but that's more than I can remember any Royals pitcher pitching for quite a while. Yeah, I'll, I'm sure. I'm sure we could talk about that next episode. Let's get some uh, actual research in on that. Well, we have a lot to discuss today. We are going to touch on Jeremy's contentious article from this weekend later on in the show, uh, plus our thoughts on things regarding MJ Melendez and Michael Garcia. But first, as always, let's run through the transactions that have happened since our last episode. So on the 17th, which is when our last episode came out, there was a, a few moves from the Royals. James MacArthur went back to the Storm Chasers. Jackson Kowar came back from the Storm Chasers. He's had a couple of a couple of decent outings. It feels like it's. Uh, I don't. I don't think I'm. Uh, you know, scared seeing him come out of the bullpen anymore. But uh, good to see him kind of get settled into that role. 
And then the other move on the 17th was Nick Prado began his rehab assignment for the Omaha Storm Chasers. And uh, Jeremy, it is not going very swimmingly, to say the least. Through three games, he has two hits, an RBI, no walks, and seven strikeouts in mm. 11 at-bats. So, so that's uh, pretty standard for him, right? That, that's pretty standard for uh, against MLB pitching, AAA pitching. I'm a, <laughs> that's a little concerning, my man. Uh. Oh, but listen, it's uh, we'll we'll see what kind of player he is once he once he comes back. I am definitely tired of seeing Matt Beatty or Beatty. Oh my gosh, Beatty, yeah, yeah, Matt Beatty at at first base. I'm uh, I'm just I'm ready to move on from that. And at least even worse is Matt Duffy at first base. Yeah, that too. Like I know that you guys got the same first name as the manager, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is favoritism if I've ever seen it. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And they were like, they were both stacked up at the bottom of the lineup. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, if this, like this just screams late season struggling, like just limping to the end of the season sort of lineup. There used to be this idea and I don't know how true it holds anymore, but there used to be be this idea that Sunday lineups were, were never like that was a day that you gave a lot of guys days off. Yeah. Um, and so the Sunday lineups would always be like a little iffy. And you look at Matt Duffy and Matt Beatty in the lineup. I think they were batting sixth and seventh today. Um, that's, that's that. That's what that reminds me of is that idea of a, of a Sunday getaway day lineup. Yeah, it certainly seems like it. Uh, but yeah, we, we already talked about how today's game went. Uh, to finish out the transactions, Max Castillo got optioned back down to the Omaha Storm Chasers, and Taylor Clark came back from the 15-day IL. Uh, he landed on there with a right elbow inflammation, I believe is what it was. So it, it's good to see that, you know, he just needed some rest and some time off. And Sure, that, that's that's definitely all he needed. There's certainly nothing else wrong there that we could ever possibly be concerned about. He will definitely <laughs> not go on the injured list again this year. Well, so Jeremy, let's, uh, let's go ahead and talk about that, man, because we were, we're trying to think of things to talk about today. It's been kind of a, a quiet little cycle for the Royals and, on field anyways. Yes. On, on the field. And, you know, because we, we don't want to talk, we could talk about Bobby Wood Jr. Every single freaking episode. If we oh yeah, we him. could. We could, and it would be fun. It would. He had a he had an amazing. He sprinted like I think it was 108 feet. Rex said for he was playing to pole, um, to, so over towards second base, sprinted 108 feet, sliding catch, got up, fired a dart to first base, and almost doubled the guy off there. Like, just not just at the plate. The dude is just everywhere right now. It's a lot of yeah. fun. It is. It's amazing to watch him. And if you've you know, sw- sworn off watching the Royals for the rest of the season or whatever it is. Watch, watch the dang team. If we're nothing else for Bobby Witt Jr. right now, because it is, it is truly something special that we are seeing right now. Um, I not to toot my own horn, but I put out an article for Kings of Kaufman this morning, you know, asking and answering the question is Bobby Witt Jr. The best position player in baseball right now. And all the numbers point to, yeah, he is. Um, we'll see that now we're talking about, we could talk about Bobby Wood Jr. every episode, but, uh, we're not gonna, (laughs) (laughs) no, he's, uh, he's just doing it all a great, a great turnaround from the, um, go ahead. I just wanted to say like, don't, don't just get used to this. Don't just be like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like it's so easy to, to, as a football fan to watch Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey do their thing every week and to just kind of get desensitized to it. Like Patrick Mahomes uh, last night, I don't know how many people saw this because it's a preseason game leaping out of bounds to try and make a throw before he gets tackled. Like the dude is ridiculous. And he almost, and, and you just, you, you cringe when he does that stuff, but you also just have to kind of celebrate it. And, and yeah, Bobby Witt Jr. is sprinting 108 feet to catch this pop-up in a lost season. And it's like, should he really be trying that hard? Eh, maybe not. But it's fun to watch. The guy's got heart. He's got talent. Like, just keep watching. Keep keep your eye on him. Check out these highlights, at least. 
because uh, I can't I can't force you to sit down and watch these. I, I just told you how boring today's game was. I'm not going to be like, hey, go watch them. But like, at least check out the highlights. This, this is for real. And we got to we got to really appreciate it uh, as long as we can. That's we don't know how long that will be. Yeah. And that's you know what? That brings up a great point about losing things with heart and talent way too soon. Um, we had to struggle with losing a favorite podcast of ours. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think we could say that the athletic is axing times ours, which Royals fans might not be familiar with what times ours is, but Chiefs fans, a bunch of them are. I I would I imagine the crossover isn't as great as I would imagine there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I wouldn't expect uh, Chiefs fans to know our podcast if that uh, if that well. Not yet, but Back soon. We're, we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, yeah, if, if you don't know what times ours is, it was a Kansas City Chiefs podcast, which just had, I think, I very much underestimated like how perfect this trio was. You have mm-hmm. the you have the radio host over at 810, Joshua Briscoe on one end. You have the the analysis guy who runs the most successful substack that I know of on any topic um Seth Kaiser over there and then you have the Athletics Chiefs beat writer Nate Taylor rounding it all out and they did this for 4 years and unfortunately they shocked everyone this past week saying that you know what hey this next episode is our last episode um which is is very frustrating to see because it was it was definitely presented as hey this isn't our choice we're not you know what? We're not disbanding to pursue other things. This is higher up saying y'all we y'all ain't doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they they left it fairly open ended though, Jeremy. If if you listen to that episode, they said that they were yeah. going to try to figure out something else on another. And it, it sounds like they're uh, they're right now. The the biggest issue is they're just choosing where they go next. They're going to do something. It's only a matter of time. Hopefully, they choose quickly. I would hate to start the regular season without those guys. Um, they they uh, have been a huge source of inspiration for me as a podcaster, as a writer, as as a thinker. Um, just they're, they're three really fun guys to listen to. Um, their camaraderie, their, their back and forth was a lot of fun, and it's something I definitely aspire uh, to bring over here. So um, I, I, I can't wait to hear them again. Yeah. Uh, that, that's where I'm at, basically. So we uh, we hope their absence is short lived, but that they make the best decision for, you know, what for themselves and for the craft. Because, hey, if you if you all need a break, you all need a break. I ain't going to I ain't going <laughs> to disparage anyone for that. So, Jeremy, let's you know what I said. We we're going to talk about Michael Garcia and MJ Melendez, but I want to make sure that folks hear about your article from this weekend so we are going to take a quick ad break coming up on the other side we are going to be talking about jeremy's article from this weekend Um, you definitely don't want to miss it stay tuned and we're back here on the royals rundown podcast jake milham here with jeremy greco so jeremy i i pulled up royalsreview.com this uh this weekend and you know what? There's a lot of things like don't trade away Brady Singer. Don't, you know, what make this move. Da, 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 da. And then there's a headline that says the Royals step on yet another rake with latest press release. I don't like that is such a I don't what, what's the word. It's such a visual thing in my head yeah. that it was it was just perfect. I was like, yeah, these are all like self-inflicted issues. Yep. Sometimes it seems like um, I don't. But I don't want to steal your thunder. Could you, for folks who haven't read it yet, first, I would like you to, what is this article about and uh, where are you coming from on it? So the first thing I want to say is that I know that y'all are tired of reading this stuff. A lot of you are. I am just as tired of writing it. Uh, I I would much rather be, I, I honestly had planned. I had already planned to write this week and I was going to write. Uh, we had a couple excellent articles this week, as you mentioned. Uh, the there's there's Matt Lamar's got to trade Brady Singer this offseason. And we had Preston Farr's don't trade Bobby Witt Jr. under any circumstances this offseason. And I wanted to talk about how, why I agreed with them and, and why it made sense to trade Brady Singer and why it didn't make sense to me to trade Bobby Witt Jr. Unfortunately, 
Royals put out a press release on Thursday uh, announcing, you know, their um, their their uh, this and it should be a fortunate thing. They announced that they'd come to an agreement with all three units uh, mm-hmm. that the SEIU local one represented in the ballpark uh, employees and that, um, you know, everybody was under contract through 2025, which is great news. That's where we want to be, uh, you know, an agreed contract with the union. But uh, they chose the second half to um, take to take some shots at the at the union while they were at it, um, insisting that things like, oh, uh, because we've come to these agreements, that's evidence of how much we we treasure our employees. And it's like, does it, though? Does it really? I don't I don't think it's proof of that. I I think it all it proves is that, you know, you need them and you got them to agree to a deal. Um, now it doesn't prove that they don't value them. It just, it, the one has no bearing on the other. Um, and so, you know, I, I was originally, I was, I was going to still kind of write about my thing and, uh, and, and then just kind of put a little blurb about it at the end. Uh, and then, um, I went to the Royals and I asked them a few questions. I was like, you know what? I've, I've given the union a chance to ask, to answer some questions. You go to the Royals and, and give them a chance to answer some questions. And um, the responses I got were short and uninformative. Okay. And I know a lot of people have come at me and said, and because I kind of pointed out how short and uninformative these answers were. Um, and a lot of people kind of come at me in the comments and said, huh, well, you're just some guy asking the Royals for stuff. The Royals know what Royals review is. They know who we are. They know who I am. Um, so they know what I'm going to do when I'm asking them questions. Uh, and, and those were the answers that they thought were the best ones to give me. Um, I've also received some criticism for, you know, oh, you're, you're so biased for the union. And I got to tell you, if it looks like I'm writing from the union's perspective, I sent a bunch of questions to the Royals. I got one line replies that didn't have much information in them. I send an email to the union. I get the three past contracts, the three current contracts, and I get uh, I get a, a, a thousand word email with bullet points in it that are like all a paragraph long. They give me a lot more to work with. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm writing what they're saying, it's because they said something worth writing and the Royals didn't um, accept this press release. And it's just, it's so super frustrating because it could have been a, a bright spot. It could have been like, yes, we came to an agreement. Everything's good. People are getting raises that they asked for. You know, everything's great. But they they chose all these weird things. Like they said, all the ushers of the bathroom attendants are getting 20% raises by the end of this contract, which, okay, great. Except it's not true. The yeah. The bathroom attendants are, but the ushers are only getting 18%. And, oh, yeah, you can round it. But why didn't they just say 18%? Right. Why did – it's just as easy. You're typing a press release. You're not – this. I'm not asking them to, to be like, it's an 18.374256791, whatever. You know, I'm just, I'm just like, say 18% or more. Like, boom, easy, done. It's a win. I don't have anything to criticize. We move on. Right. You know? And, and people complained because they also put in a range of like, oh, we're getting, we're going to pay everybody 16 to $31. Isn't that great? And I'm like, okay, sure. One person out of the approximately 500 people covered by these three contracts, one person gets paid $31. They'll only hire two people for that. So like, are we really paying a range of 16 to 31? And that, that part is factual, right? It It's yeah. factual. It's a little deceiving, but it's factual. So I wouldn't have touched that if it wasn't for the other stuff that they were just making up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, people want me to move on. I want to move on. This is just the Royals have had a, 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 a pattern all season long of saying things that if you go to the other people involved, they, they aren't true. So I go to the union on this stuff. It's not true. The, this all kind of started when the star put out an article and said, hey, the Chiefs are trying to, to build the stadium, but all the politicians say they don't know what's going on. In the Chief, or not the Chiefs. The Royals are trying to do all this stuff, and, and we don't know what's going on, and they're not really talking to us. So the Royals are like, no one's waiting on us. So then they went back to the politicians. They're like, 
no, we are, though. Yeah. And that was the point where I was like, I should see what the union has to say about his remarks. And that's what started all this is that the Royals, it's not just the union that's questioning the Royals and saying some of this stuff doesn't line up with reality. It's the people that they're working with to build a stadium. It's the people, uh, the, the urban youth Academy. It's, you know, it's the, um, the, what's the last one I've completely blown my mind here. Um, but there was one more where it was just like, what are we doing? Just yeah. like, get, get your act together everybody and i just they don't they don't get their act together and i i can't in good conscience as a person who covers the royals and who has been covering this specific topic just be like yeah no i'm not writing about this anymore it's newsworthy people should know about it and and we need to talk about it. We need to hold the Royals accountable because if we can't hold them accountable for the difference between what they're paying their ushers, how can we hold them accountable for what they're paying their players? How can we say, yes, of course, you're definitely right when you said you could only afford Jordan Lyles this offseason. Yeah, that's listen, all of this, all of this stuff that we're talking about with the crew surrounding the game does like does have some evident impact on the actual on-field product. And I I very much agree with you on that, Jeremy. I think like you you closed it out very succinctly and very clearly. And these are the last two lines from your story. I'd love nothing more than to stick to sports. But before I can do that, the Royals need to start acting like good partners and do better. That's what that's what these these articles are are doing. And that's what you're reporting on this is doing it's not you know attacking the royals it is you've given both sides a chance to discuss this and if it uh if it seems like one side is coming up short it's probably the truth unfortunately um so i mean mean, and again i can only i can i just have to emphasize i go to one side and i say here i have some questions and and the first the first answer i got to the first question was I'm not saying anything else about that. Yeah. And and that's in my, that's in the article. You can see it there. And then I go to the other side and I say, Hey, I've got some questions. And they're like, here is all the data. You can do your own research. You could come to your own conclusions. You know, it's all right here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would lo- love to provide those contracts to everybody, but um, I'm not supposed to. So I, I, I don't do that, but they did provide them to me so that I could, you know, come up to those conclusions and offer them out there for you. Um, they're they're And they provided them to lots of other people who have asked them for, for information on this too. So I'm definitely not the only one who has them. I'm not just sitting here. They're like, Oh, this is our guy that we could feed information to. Like it's just the, you know, these things are, you know, you don't just hand out your union contract to just anybody. Right. It's a legal document. That it is. So I highly, highly suggest when you get done listening to our podcast, please go check out that article on RoyalsReview.com. It will be in the the episode description down there. It will be linked so you can go right there. Um, Jeremy, listen, you you laid it out about as as clearly as I can think of it. I truthfully, I didn't even know how to attack this, I guess is the is the word it go about writing about it. And um, so I greatly appreciate your your reporting on this situation. And you know what? There's I'm trying to think of the word. So I learned a long time ago that reporting is giving people the facts and you let them make up their own opinion. You're not telling people how to think you you reported. And to my to my knowledge, I think you reported everything you got. Yeah, I. I think of myself as an editorialist more than a reporter necessarily, which means I want to contextualize as much as I can. So I, I did provide, you know, as much raw information as I could. And then I tried to contextualize it. If you don't agree with my contextualization, that's fine. But I did provide a lot of factual information in that article and, and you can parse through it if you want to find your own conclusions. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for, for putting that together, Jeremy. I was, uh, I was trying I was trying to get there slowly but surely, right? <laughs> oh man. But yeah, definitely definitely a great read to start off Saturday. And you've been 
I don't think like you've missed any Saturdays this season. Like your your hawk talk has been, you know, what every every Saturday at, at noon, right? Uh pretty much. There were a few. Um, I think one of I think the first time I wrote about this topic, it got pushed to Monday because it might be oh. it's a little bit of a higher traffic day. Yeah. Um, I might have missed one weekend in there somewhere. Um, because you know, I I I do a fair bit of traveling, and so it can be hard sometimes. Yeah. But um, I've try I try to be as consistent as possible, and uh, I know when we get to the off season, <laughs> end up writing a whole bunch of of very off the wall things that no one's gonna want to read. So I I got to take this opportunity while there's stuff to talk about and talk about it. And you know maybe that means I don't get to maybe this is a good thing because I want to talk about Brady Singer and Bobby Witt Jr. And well now I have that to talk about this off season, right? Right. And I um I look forward to whatever stadium developments we get uh hearing your talk <laughs> on it. Because and I don't don't take my math as gospel here. We're almost to that thirty day mark, aren't we? That John Sherman said, Hey, in thirty days we're gonna have something. Right. The the date I remember is the end of September. So I don't okay. maybe there's something else that's supposed to come out now, but I think he said they're gonna pick the site by the end of September. Um, which again, how can nobody be waiting on the Royals if the Royals haven't even picked their site yet? Yeah. Um, just got to throw that out there. (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) okay. Maybe I'm taking too many shots at the Royals now, but come on. Uh, (laughs) yeah, let's, let's get back to the on-field product here. We are, we're going to, we're going to reset here. We're going to take a quick ad break. Um, coming up, we are going to be talking about Michael Garcia's injury. Plus, we are going to be giving our takes on MJ Melendez. Please stay tuned. And we're back here on the Royals Rundown podcast. Before we get back into it, please remember, you can follow the podcast on Twitter. You can follow us at Royal Rundown Pod. Um, Jeremy, before we get back into it as well, I do want to say we I might be losing the protest because they finally, I think if you pull it up on desktop, it still says twitter.com, but whenever mm-hmm. you share a tweet from Twitter, it says <laughs> x.com. So they're, they're slowly starting to get mm-hmm. this domain thing figured out. Yeah. I know they finally changed retweet to repost. Yes. That which, they oh man, let's, let's. Let's get rid of the very iconic and like very recognizable retweet and just turn it into the very generic repost. Exactly. And I, I think the other one was like they they slapped like if you Google up Photoshop texture, it has like all those black and white images. They slapped <laughs> like a grunge texture. A yeah. Yeah. It's, we're edgy. We're, oh, we're 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 edgy 30 years ago. <laughs> Oh, exactly. But listen, I'm uh, I'm I'm conceding that we are losing ground on the on the Twitter fight, but I'll uh, I'll still call it Twitter for the time being until someone gets tired enough. Sure. Um. All right. So we were we were talking about the show yesterday and you brought up a good point about Michael Garcia because he has been dealing with the an upper body injury for the past couple of weeks. I want to say it's been. Um, it is right now it kept him out of the lineup for let's see he appeared in the first game with the Cubs he left early didn't appear in the second game and then in a high leverage situation he came back in to pinch hit for Nelson Velasquez so he, he can still Mm-mm. swing Matt Duffy Matt Duffy thank you I'm very sorry uh, Don't pitch hit for Velasquez. He all, all he does is hit home runs. That's all he does. Yeah, and get hit on the head. Um, but he came in and he pinch hit and he was good to go there. So you brought up the fact like, hey, why isn't he hitting the IL and giving someone else a shot to make yeah. a case for themselves on the roster? Which I don't think there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um first bef- before I before I give my uh, my rebuttal, I would like to hear like what are what are your thoughts on that? Should he have gone on the IL like when this first happened? In your opinion, uh, when he when it first happened, you know, uh, discomfort is a thing. It happens to all of us. It happens to me. I wake up, oh my back hurts today. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm also a lot older than Michael Garcia, unfortunately. <laughs> but you know, it happens, and so you're like, okay, well, take the day. Let's see how you feel tomorrow. And and then he was able to come back. Um, but when it happened the second time, that's when I'm like, okay, 
you got to put him on the IL. This is happening repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs to, you need him to be completely healthy. This is a thing that the Royals do that I do not agree with on the field. Uh, is they 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 have guys play through injuries, and this is it's not just Michael Garcia. Um, there was a lot of why doesn't Mondesi, Adalberto Mondesi, play through yeah. more injuries? Um, there was Hunter Dozier talking about how he played through a wrist injury. He had that, I think it was the breakout 2019. Mm-hmm. And then he played through a wrist injury. He had, he had COVID in 2020. And then he played through a wrist injury in 2021. And, yep. you know, he was awful. And then um, Carlos Santana, I think that was also 2021. Yeah. He played in 2021. He got an injury. I think it was his thumb. He played through that for the whole season. It's like, just put these guys on the IL, let them get healthy, then play them. They right. Or you can not put them on the IL and oh sure it looks nice to have that name in your lineup but they can't play right and it's just it boggles my mind and they keep doing it and i just want michael garcia to get healthy they've got lots of guys i'm kind of jonesing for like you haven't seen a new prospect in a hot minute other than mcmillan mcmillan is nice love to see more of him um but we haven't seen a position prospect in a minute so like let's get some guys up here and and honestly if it's not michael garcia Matt Duffy, Matt Beatty, they got to go. Come on. We got Devin Mann down there. We got Nick Lofton. We got uh, Tyler Gentry. <laughs> like, let's let's get this done. Exactly. That's no, I, I think that's a that's a great point. And I've um I've had my head stuck on like Nick Lofton kind of being, you know, on a downhill slide. He's had a very good August in AAA. Like, I, I wouldn't say like he's banging down the door, but I mean, he's on a eight game hitting streak right now. He's got a pretty good August performance at the plate. He's definitely like the first one up at at third base, in my opinion. But yeah, you're you're right, Devin Mann, um, CJ Alexander. There's like there there are some some decent options that the Royals need to evaluate ahead of the off season. And but like right now, it almost kind of seems unfair to to call up a prospect this late in the season. But I we're almost to September when they can they can just keep them up anyway. That's true. Um, and the other the other thing I almost forgot to mention about Garcia is that the injury has changed. Oh, um, no. It was upper upper body discomfort, and it hurt when he ran. Was what they said the first time. Today, when he came into pinch hit, they said it's upper body discomfort near his left shoulder, but it only happens when he throws. Mm. And so, like, is this the same injury? Is this a different injury? Are we not sure what this is? If we don't know what it is, could we please play it safe instead of being like, ah, you can play, it's fine. Yeah, that's hey, that that's fair. That's fair, man. It is I'm trying to think. So my my side of this is I I I don't disagree with you per se, but I do I do think that unfortunately this is something we might have to get used to with Michael Garcia because you gotta think baseball is a very physically rigorous game and you're sure. playing and you're playing it you know a hundred plus times in over the season I don't know how many games he has at the major league level but he's got a lot he's got he's got a ton of experience and he's not a very big guy he's a very he has a very slight build I think is the mm-hmm. is the word for it he's got height just doesn't have like the big the big frame um I would probably and call him lean, but slight lean, works too. Thank you. Thank you. That That is a better word. Just his, and there is a stereotype about players built like that, that, yeah. they, that they don't stand up well to a full season of baseball. Um, you know what? I think uh, one good example is like Matt, Matt Duffy. He's had a lot of injury issues over his career and he's he's a very no that's a he's not slight he's lean that's a that's a small yeah. guy <laughs> but it's maybe maybe this is something that they're trying to test the waters on Michael Garcia see how he responds to the injury and see how you know what hey can you take care of yourself on the road and try to make yourself better enough to come back in the lineup but there is, I don't know, There, it, it makes more sense to put him on like the 10-day IL and just, you know, give him breaks, send him home, send him back to the team doctors and see and see what's going on just to be safe. 
but I can see some reasons why they're doing it now. Like you said, the team does have a pattern of doing this with yeah. other players. And so I think, I think that if this continues on into like even later on this week that he's still having issues, then yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to flip my tune really fast because there's a difference between being hurt and being injured or something mm-hmm. hurting. So that's, that's just my my two shakes on it. I'm definitely I'm ready to see Nick Lofton at the at the major league level. He's uh you know he's been playing at that level for a good for a good while it seems in AAA. Now he's had his own injury concerns throughout the throughout the season, <laughs> but he has been he has been back to a full time player since like the middle of January. So if if you're gonna call him up, if you're gonna see a new position player, get him. You know, I don't even know if, if he could get 100 plate appearances in for the rest of the season. I think it he would could. be tough. He would have to play pretty much every game. Yeah, that's true. But we'll uh, we'll wait and see on that. I I appreciate your thoughts on that, Jeremy, because yeah. I know that's not. And go ahead. Your thoughts are completely reasonable. Uh, I, the only thing I take issue with is, like I said, that pattern that they have of they keep doing this with guys. And I just. I'd like to see them play it a little bit safer. Yeah, especially as the season winds down. I think the the time of year this happens does kind of dictate the response a little bit as well. You know what? If if the Royals were in the in the postseason push right now, and I know, I know that's a really hard thing for us to think about, folks. You know what? The Royals actually. What, what would that even be like? Wow. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. No, but like if they were, you know, two and a half games back in first mm-hmm. and they needed all hands on deck, I could understand sure. them holding on to Michael Garcia. But yeah, not in that. And if you had a, a backup who wasn't Matt Duffy, you know, <laughs> yeah. who was like a com- like, OK, this guy is worth playing a few games and let Michael Garcia sit. That, I guess that's my real big problem here. More, more than anything is that it just means more playing time for Matt Duffy. And I don't need to see any more. I've seen all of Matt Duffy. I need to see nothing against the guy. I hope he hangs on, catches on with another team next season. I hope he has a long big league career as a utility player, but I don't need him on this roster. He is not adding anything to the goals uh, or what should be the goals of this roster. That's an excellent point. And Hey, before I forget about speaking of veterans lashing on with contenders, Nick Whitgren, who elected free agency, from Mm. the Royals he is joining the Seattle Mariners so that should Mm. be that's a very very good fit in my opinion I I wish the best for for Nick up in the Pacific Northwest I I would have would absolutely have made the same choice in his shoes yeah exactly (laughs) oh all right but let's go ahead and talk about MJ Melendez before we get on out of here because there is you know what the it seems like the Royals Royals fans, and this this includes me. I'm not talking down on anyone. We all kind of have our, our dead horse that we like to beat. For a long time, yeah. it was Hunter Dozier. Um, this season, defensively, it was definitely Edward Olivares out there in the outfield. Now, you know what? What, a, what dead horse are, are we going to beat on? And I feel like folks are focusing in more on MJ Melendez's defense. Um, now, it has been it's been pretty bad across the season um but everyone's referencing back to like he missed he misjudged a, a hit in the outfield and he's just kind of jogging to to get the ball and it barely prevents a run from coming in um so you you know how folks are about baseball like why, why aren't you hustling out there why aren't you going 110 percent every game everybody thinks it looks so easy sometimes you know <laughs> Hey, listen, I don't, uh, I, I ain't advocating to go out there and in, in left field. <laughs> I know I wouldn't be doing any better out there. Um, but Jeremy, I'll, I'll go and throw my thoughts out there and then, and then I want to get your thoughts on this. Like what it is going to be a big question this off season. What do they do with MJ Melendez? Do they abandon the outfield experiment altogether? Do they move him back to catcher? Do they move on? I think like that is a, that's a real possibility that we have to discuss. Um, because I think that we're underestimating how much the de- the outfield defense at times is costing this pitching staff, which isn't, which already isn't like top tier 
it's not the best and they they don't need anything working against them much less their own team and if you go we we love fan graphs here Every, everyone <laughs> knows that if you go and look at the pitching stats for the royals they have the second biggest difference in their ERA and in their fielder independent pitching so their fip is lower than their ERA by half a point which only Oakland has a has a bigger gap and if if you're looking at their at the staff's fip they're not close to the best they're the sixth worst staff in major league baseball but that's still a noticeable difference than if you go by their ERA and they're the third worst in baseball. That's a that's a sizable jump in in my opinion. And a lot of the numbers point to hey, this pitching staff should be better. They should be better about limiting limiting runs and the outfield defense is just not helping them. First it was Edward Olivares and Framil Reyes for that little stint that we saw out there. Now we're kind of looking at, okay, Isbell's going to hold his own there in center field. We got Drew Waters and Nelson Velasquez out there in right field. Yeah, I know. I I say that about Isbell on the day that he makes that error. Um, but, you know, even with the best defenders, stuff like that does happen. It's it's uh, it's hard to ignore. The, the, big, the big thing to ignore right now about the defense is MJ Melendez, I feel. Um, Jeremy, before we dive into the numbers, what are what are your thoughts? So I'm I'm gonna say the same thing about him that I said about Oliveris. Yeah. If you're hitting, I don't care what your defense is. And MJ is hitting right now. Um, he has a 134 WRC plus yeah. since the All Star break. Uh, I just if I can get this to pull up, my computer's being a little bit slow. Um, his defense is not that much worse if any worse than last year it looks like um his offense has obviously been a huge problem this year mm-hmm. but i i don't think he's a good defensive catcher either so if you're gonna give up on him in the outfield you're basically saying he's a designated hitter which if he can carry a 134 wrc plus all the time he can he can hold that down that's fine i don't know that he can do that uh, we'll have to see how the rest of the season goes before I could even really begin to guess. But uh, yeah, I I don't have a problem with his his gaffes in the outfield as long as he's hitting. Um, yeah, I, that's I'll just stop there. Okay, what we we don't want to ramble about this in, anymore? No, I'm kidding. I, I realized that I I wanted to say more, but I didn't actually have anything more to say, so I was just going to repeat myself again. And uh, nobody gotcha. needs that. Gotcha. Fair enough. Fair enough. Here I'm I'm still pulling up some uh, some numbers. Give me one second. Sure. So as yeah, my- I. I I still have a lot of questions about whether he can hit because of the whole like really super awkward swing thing, but he's, he's been proving me wrong lately. Maybe they should trade him to, and and here's the thing you, you talked about moving on from him and if they want to move on from him, they need to do it via trade. They are absolutely not cutting him. You, you can get something for him. I, I don't know what you can get for him, but you could get something. Yeah. And I, I don't think like he would be the, the focal point of any trade out there. I think that he would be a very good addition to a trade package to, sure. to go get something. But you want to trade a Brady Singer and an MJ Melendez, you'll be getting a whole haul back. Exactly. Exactly. So it's so I'm looking at and this is this is the entire season. So you know what, maybe he's been doing better lately. I don't know. He did make but, a very nice diving catch today, though. He did. It, because he took an awful route to get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's is isn't that what we were saying about all of ours? Whenever he made a nice play, it was like, well, if he would have uh, started better, it wouldn't have made it would have been all that impressive. Yeah, but- I, there's there's been this this I've heard this kind of theory in the past. It's like if a guy's making a lot of diving catches, that actually means he's not a good defender because <laughs> it means he's not getting to the balls faster. He's he's having to he's getting there and he's having to dive at the last second. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. So I'm looking at yeah, just about he's at he's last or second to last in just about every single defensive metric for the mm-hmm. Royals right now. Negative eleven outs above average, like that is that is a lot. We we talk about how great Bobby Wood Jr. is at the as a defender. Well, imagine 
basically all that Bobby Wood Jr. is doing is negated by MJ Melendez. (laughs) One way you wanted to spin that Um, below average arm out there. The his jump is is not the best. His range is not the best. It's I I am truly very surprised to see how much is like how far down he is in some of this because mm-hmm. you got to think. I'm looking at this. So defensive run saved from fielding Bible is is another is another good metric out there. Yeah, um, I would say they're more of a leg like a legacy stat. I guess like they were one of the first one of the first yeah. fielding stats out there. MJ Melendez has a negative 13 defensive run saved this season. I almost made you spit out. Yeah. Edward Olivares is negative 10. <laughs> How many did, did you have the innings for them pulled up? Yeah. Just so granted MJ Melendez has more than double the amount of innings. Okay. Than Edward Olivares does. It's important context. It is. It, it is very important context. Um, but even Framiel Reyes, who played 32 innings in the outfield, is at least an average fielder according to their to their numbers. Um, so <laughs> it is we we have seen a lot of the MJ Melendez experiment. Experiment. I'm not going to say we've seen enough of it, um, because you know maybe he maybe he just slots somewhere else better. I think like it's it's okay to play him as the DH right now for when you want to give Freddie Fermin an off day because he is hitting enough. But when he wasn't hitting enough, oh no, that was like that's a whole different discussion. The, in my opinion. the thing about MJ Melendez is if he's not hitting, his defense is never going to be good enough to carry him. Yeah. No matter no matter what happens, like even if he's an average outfielder, when he's not hitting, he's and he plays. You know, left field and right field are not uh, premium defensive positions. Mm-hmm. So, so you really do want to focus on hitting more than defense there. The other thing that I was just thinking about is that he's played both left and right this year. And it's yeah. really easy as a fan to think, well, those are the same thing. But I got to tell you, they ain't. Um, so the Royals uh, it might be might benefit from sticking him in one and keeping him there. Um, I think it's kind of interesting to note that Drew Waters has played center and right field, but never left, right? right? If he's not playing center, they're moving him to right. And actually, I think that's the same for Kyle Isbell. Kyle Isbell is playing center or right. He's not playing left. Correct. Um, So there's, there's, there's a big difference in how balls move and how you track them, depending on which outfield spot you're in of the three. Um, So, and he's still learning the outfield. I mean, he, he had not played many outfield innings in the minor leagues no. before the Royals called him up and said, you're going to catch and play the outfield. Good luck. <laughs> uh, and then this year they finally said, okay, you can stop catching and just focus on the outfield. But then they put him in right field and left field. And I get, yeah, positional versatility, blah, 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 blah. But let the guy learn one position before you move him around. Yeah. I think that's how, the- how we talked about how good Alex Gordon's defense was. How many times did we see him play right field? true didn't, didn't see him a whole lot out there in right field. I, it, I think it happened a couple of times but it did not happen very often because yeah. he was a left fielder that he was and i think you know sometimes you, we get in this habit and maybe it's the royals maybe it's all of mlb right now they get in this habit of like well we got to get all this positional versatility out of them so we can mix and match because uh, in part because they have to have 13 pitchers so they're limited in what they could do on their benches yeah um but yeah it, and uh, also there's a lot of guys who are very athletic and very defensive minded who can play all three outfield positions just fine mj melendez does not appear to be one of those guys pick a spot let him play there yep and i will say you, you pull up just his stats out in left field and they're much better he has 250 innings out there, negative one defensive run saved. So most of his issues have come in the right field, mm-hmm. uh, which is more of the early season stuff that we were seeing. It's still negative four outs above average, which isn't which isn't great at all. Um, but it is it's better, I guess, than than him being out in right field. Maybe that's just where he where his mind and his body just works better out there in left field. That's OK. Mm-hmm. That, you don't need a you don't need an analytic ex, or um an analytic explanation for everything yeah sometimes it just I, and i it really is it can just be the way the ball moves i i again it's 
it's been a hot minute, but I played right field um, in the little leagues and this is not comparison, you know, not, not a true comparison at all, but I was considered good defensively in right field. So they tried to move me to left field. They're like, Oh, well, yeah. And cause in the little leagues, when you play right field, that's like, that's where you send your out your players who can't play defense. Cause everybody's right-handed yeah. and they're going to hit it to left field. Right. Um, so, but they're like, well, you're actually pretty good out there in right field. Let's put you in left. And all of a sudden I had no idea where the ball was going. So they put me back in right. Um, and so, yeah, like I obviously that doesn't compare in terms of like play. Obviously, I'm not nearly as athletic as MJ Melendez or I would be out there on the field instead of talking to you. But uh, <laughs> it there is there is a really big difference in how that ball looks. And it can really throw you for a loop if you're not prepared for it. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, hey, thanks. Thanks for that, Jeremy. I don't. Well, actually, hold on. Hold on. Let me, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. If you had yeah. to a keep all, keep MJ Melendez out there in the outfield for the rest of 2024, uh-huh. B, move him back to a part-time catcher, part-time outfielder or C trade him. Which one would you do? I'd probably trade him. Um, they've got a lot of outfielders. I feel like he could be more valuable to a team where they could des- use him as a designated hitter. They don't really have a DH slot uh between Salvi and Vinny. Yeah. Um I think that might be, you know, a way that you can you can get some cuz they really need some pitching talent right they now. And I know really. that that makes it very weird that I'm saying trade Brady Singer and keep Bobby Witt, <laughs> but it's just the way it kind of works out. That's true. Um I could go into it more, but I'm not going to, cause I'm going to save that for when I want to write about it. Sounds good to me. But yes, yeah, so I would, I would probably go ahead and trade him. You might go ahead and keep him. It, it, the other alternative to me is you keep him in the outfield, keep him specifically in left field for, uh, for all of 2024. Maybe, you know, he plays right field in an emergency or, you know, a, an awkward situation, but primarily in left field um, and see if you can't build up a little bit more value before you think about trading him. But I, I don't think at this point it makes any sense to make him a part-time catcher. You've got Salvi. You've got Fermin. He wasn't a good defensive catcher to begin with. There were a lot of questions if he was going to stick back there. Um, so let's, let's just go ahead and set that aside and let him focus on one position and focus on hitting, see if he can get it figured out. Yeah, I would I would have to go with C as well. Just trade him and, you know, this, this is the value. This is what he is. Some team out there might believe that they can – quote unquote fix him in the field whether it be at catcher or whether it be as an outfielder um sometimes that that just works it does um so i i definitely think that he does have more value in a trade than he does to the team right now and that's that's probably not fair to say to him i'm not saying that he's that he's a bad player or anything but the he's not one of those players where you look at and say like, okay, we are going to get significantly worse in this area. If we don't have MJ Melendez. Yeah. The other thing is stop, stop batting him lead off. Don't, don't do that. No. <laughs> yeah. You Bad don't like Quattrero. That? You don't like that? No, he's batted lead off the past two days and he struck out five times in eight at bats. Like this is that bad. Goodness. Yeah. Five, five strikeouts, a single and a double. Um, no, thank you. (laughs) And this is, this is what he's been on fire since the all-star break. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball since the all-star break. You move him to the leadoff spot. He immediately starts striking out every time. Like just just put him back in the bottom, the middle bottom of the order. And let's, let's move on with our lives. Just like Bobby Witt Jr. Should be leading off Bobby Witt Jr. Bat him second. That's where he belongs. That's great. Keep him there. We're good. Yeah, I will. I will say this. So across the entire season, you know, we've seen Melendez batting leadoff sparingly, but we've seen it eight times now. OPS is six seventy. Is uh is not that hot? Get it done. I know, right? <laughs> it's that uh, it's that four hundred slugging, my man. Um, uh, but no, it's yeah, when he does get his bat on the ball, it goes a long way. That it does. That it does. We we love that about MJ Melendez. Oh, all right, man. Hey, let's go ahead and knock out some uh, some Royals review reviews, and we'll get on out of here. Sound good? Sure. All right. So my uh, I I got to review an animal this week. 
because okay. yeah, I know, I know I'm going to <laughs> grow growing up. My dad was allergic to cats and ah. we had a across street from us family moved and left cat on un, like unfixed cats. Oh no. Yeah. So we had a very bad oh, like experience with cats growing up. Um, my wife has turned me around to, I wouldn't say being a cat person, but I do, I do like cats. And if you ever hear a bell in the background of my, of my audio here, it is literally because one of our cats will come up and try to lay on my keyboard and she'll be itching her chin and she'll be hitting that bell. So that's what, uh, that's what that sound is. I, I kind of like cats now. They're the, the ones we got are, have made a good impression. So, on me i guess so what you're telling me is your wife got a fixer upper yes and and has been slowly <laughs> slowly fixing you yes she she's been rehabbing me <laughs> but i am uh yes i'm a cat convert i guess is, is the word and i would love to convert to loving cats but i like your father i'm very allergic I'm, I'm sorry to hear that man very sorry to hear that. that for some reason, that that is my review for the week. That is that is the first thing that I could think. Of. I'll take it. I I love watching the cat tail just go one way across the screen and the other way across the screen while we're recording. It's great fun. Good. Um. So this week I'm gonna review an oldie. Okay. Uh, for got? some reason, just randomly this week. I remembered the movie Periscope Down exists. Oh. A 1996 comedy about a submarine crew uh, starring Kelsey Grammer as a man with a tattoo on his <laughs> genitalia, which is somehow his defining characteristic because the 90s. Um, I'm pretty sure like half the naval captains probably have tattoos like that now, but <laughs> apparently it was very rare in 1996. Um, and so he wanted to become a captain and all the people were like, oh, he's got a tattoo on his penis. Um, so uh, I decided I loved that movie when I watched it as a kid. I decided, you know what? I'm going to try this again. Fingers crossed. It's not going to turn out to be like some sort of awful racist piece of trash, like some other movies that I loved when I was a kid and then rewatched. You know how it goes. Yep. Um, and no, the movie was great. It holds up extremely well. Um, it's, it's a, it's a submarine crew of a bunch of goofballs, um, who, you know, they're, they're all very quirky, but they actually are all secretly good at their jobs. Um, which is a comedy trope that kind of existed in the nineties. I feel like has kind of gone away over time. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's one of my favorites. And so, you know, it's, you get this, I, the, the captain who is actually very smart, but has kind of a checkered past. And then you get all these people who are like, oh, you got your sonar operator who can hear everything. And so people are uncomfortable around him, but he's actually really good at his job. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and so you get all this stuff and they come together and they do the thing and they win the, the, they're the underdogs and they win and it's great. And it's so much fun. And it's so, it's so like uplifting. It's so, uh, it, it raises my spirits to just watch people who just are trying their hardest, who care a lot find a way to win against all odds. Um, I, there's this, I feel like ever since game of Thrones, we've had this, this idea of like, gotta be gritty, gotta be dark, gotta be like down and depressing. And I'm like, I don't want all that. I just want some guys who care a lot uh, and find a way to win. That's what I want out of life. So, so that's my review. I, I hope you all, if you haven't seen down Periscope, I hope you check it out. It's really a great time. Real life is gritty enough, my man. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh my goodness, my hey, my, my wife has a solution for your cat problem, though. You, she said, oh, "What's can, that?" She said, "You can get a sphinx," which I think is a one of those hairless cats. You know, my uh, my grandma had one of those. Really, his name was Yoda. Oh, perfect. And uh, I was still allergic to him. Sorry. Really? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, hey, listen, I uh, I don't envy you. I'm glad I'm not allergic to, to animals because that would be a, a tough time. So my, my yeah. If I was allergic to dogs, I'd be in big trouble. Ooh, I bet so. 
Well, hey, listen, if you want to hear more from Jeremy about the Royals or just anything in life, you can go follow, follow him on Twitter at Hokaius. That is H-O-K-I-U-S. You can also follow me on Twitter for some reason if you wanted to at Jacob Milham KC. Uh, please follow the podcast at Royal Rundown Pod. But most, most importantly, you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck on all things Royals at RoyalsReview.com. You can also find them on Twitter and on Facebook. Jeremy, as always, thank you so much for joining me, man. This is definitely um, a, a great episode and just uh, always, always a good time to have you. It's always the highlight of my week. Hell yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get on out of here. For all of you listening out there, you can continue the conversation with us on Spotify via our polls and our question and answers. But until next time, go Royals.